And in today's episode, we'll be speaking with Rihanna Woodbury and how she's embraced a life of imperfection and found freedom in self-acceptance. Hello, Rihanna. Hi, Rachel. It's nice to have you here today. Thank you. Um, so today we're going to have a discussion into what it means to be perfectly imperfect. And it's going to be a fun one. Oh, yes. I'm ready. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if we can start off by just talking into your family dynamic. What, what did that look like? Sure. So I come um, from probably what people would think is a typical family. So mum and a dad and then um, there's an older sister and myself. So a family of four. Um, both my parents are teachers. Um, and yeah, so pretty, pretty stable from um, people's views from mm -hmm. the outside in. Mm -hmm. But growing up in that household, um, we weren't great communicators, so things weren't easy to express. Um, mm -hmm. And there was a lot of, I guess, um, tension and um, people would express things differently, whether it be withdrawing or passive aggressiveness or mm -hmm. um, outward behaviours because we didn't necessarily communicate with words. So mm -hmm. I guess that's just a little snippet of my life growing up. Of the dynamic, yep. yeah. Beautiful, yeah, and, and you're certainly not alone in that dynamic. No, it's quite it's, common. People just don't talk about exactly. it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so you're the youngest of the two? Yes. Yeah, beautiful. And... So how did you find school? What did what did your friendships look like? Like what your friendship circles look like? Um, I really liked school. I was good at school. Um, but I had lots of friends, but I didn't have a lot of close friends till I was older. So I would move around different friendship circles, um, and I would often follow my own interests. So um, didn't always rely on them to you know play at recess or lunch and things like that. So I do remember, which is an odd memory to have, that when I was younger, probably year one or two, um, I was very creative. And so the night before, I'm like, yes, I'm going to make the lottery. And so I spent all night like making these little bits of paper and then took it to school in my little pink tin and just sat at the top of the fort calling out random oh. numbers. And I was so happy and proud of myself. That is so sweet. And no one else wanted to play, but that was fine because I wanted to play that game by myself. So yeah. I was happy just um, dancing to my own beat, doing my own thing. Um, but yeah, I had... Miss um, Independent from a young age. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, I had... I was... In the popular group, I guess what people would say. I didn't consider myself popular, but I was around other people who were popular. Yeah. Um, and in high school, my friendship circle sort of um, broke off into like three different groups. Mm -hmm. And that was a real interesting part of my life because I had to reflect and, on my own identity and mm. see where I needed to, well, not needed to, but where I wanted to fit in and where... I wanted to be now and um, I was sort of looking at my friends and I thought I don't really fit into any of these three groups anymore um, and I'm sure people have those experiences where they grow apart from their friends and things like that and so I was looking and then I found a new group of friends um, 
But what was interesting is that I had people come up to me and say that they couldn't believe that I was leaving my popular friends for less popular friends, mm. which still to this day doesn't really sit right with me because friends are your friends and if you value those people, they're worthy and you see Absolutely. worth in that friendship. So I think that it's so important just to go with your gut and follow your feelings of, you know, where, where you're led to and who your tribe is yeah. because those people, the less popular people, mm. they're like my best friends to this day. So yeah. I, I wouldn't change that decision for anything. No, no, absolutely not. And I guess, you know, when you, you are young and, you know, we've all been there where it's that acceptance thing and mm. there's something about being accepted by people who are seen as better yeah. that, you know, people cling on to. I feel, what do you think about that, like in terms of when it comes to kids feeling like they need to be in the popular group? I've, I've found it really, um, it took me a while to really understand that because for me, I, I was a kid that did what I wanted anyway. So mm. I was very misindependent. Um, so whether it be just sitting by myself with my lottery numbers or just deciding to go against the grain and um, making new friends at year 10, um, I didn't really get the whole notion of wanting to be popular, wanting mm. to be seen um, as being cool. Um, so I didn't really understand it. Um, still, as an adult, I don't really understand the whole thing with celebrity and fame. Um, what I will say is you shouldn't put that pressure on yourself to be something that is ad admired or looked up to or to be accepted by the group because I think that you are meant to be you mm. and whoever you are, there is worth in who you are. So Absolutely. you shouldn't try to fit in. You shouldn't try to be smaller than who you are. Um, you shouldn't try to, I don't know, not cause ripples. You should just be you and be proud of who you are. And yeah, just, yes. I don't, I don't know, just go with, go with your gut and go with who you are because and fully own it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I guess that's that navigating during that time. We're sort of like figuring that out. Who are we? Which what, is so tricky about? as a child and as, really ad, is. as an adolescent as well. Oh, massively, massively. Sort of going blind sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just remember my experience um, in my teenage years and that, that feeling of just not knowing who I was, feeling completely lost. Um. So, yeah, it's it's interesting mm. what we feel we need to aspire to when mm. really when we get older we realise actually it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so what feelings do you remember about being a teenager? So mine were a lot more about not so much acceptance in what other people were doing or how other people were looking but more about achievement and my own pressures on myself and um, my parents loved me so much and they said that I could be whatever I wanted to be but there was messages in that as well it's like well you could be whatever you wanted to be so there's high expectations so you know you could be the but be mm. the prime minister if you wanted you could do this yeah. so there was all of those expectations that a lot of those I did put on myself but 
there was messages as well about, okay, well, grades need to be good and mm. having teachers as parents as well, you know, that was important and going to university and academic success. That was, mm. that was a big pressure for me. Um, and I valued that more than, I guess, image or popularity. Mm. That was a big thing that um, I guess that I, I was subconsciously very anxious about mm. um, and having those expectations of achievement um, and that my worth was based on how much I could achieve in life. Yeah, so, that's yeah. interesting. And expectation, the word, mm. um, is it's really – it's something that we yes yeah, we put it on ourselves. So, what would your definition of perfectionism mean? Um, what, what would you, someone that is aspiring to be perfect in some way? Mm-hmm. What what do you feel is lacking in that word? It's hard because people that know me would be very surprised to know that I have perfectionist traits um, Mm -hmm. because some people would think that perfectionism means, you know, like OCD or that Mm -hmm. everything it has in its place just so. And I'm a very creative person, so I can be quite messy and sporadic. So people would not see me as a perfectionist person, but in my work and in things that I produce, there is that high expectation of quality mm. um, and not, not not getting it wrong, but there is, like, I can produce something and it might be 95%, 95% amazing, but then I'll look at it and I'll be like, even a painting, I'll be like, oh, that line's a bit wonky. Mm-hmm. So there is that self criticism there mm-hmm. um which I have had to learn over time to um change my self-talk so it's not so critical mm. um I don't know if I answered your question no, no, no. <laughs> it was a bit of an intense one it's okay no no, no you certainly did in the way that it was perfect so I think perfectly, perfect. perfectly <laughs> those words um but I guess like I I personally had a bit of perfectionist issues. I know a couple of people in my family do as well. Mm. And I feel like this this underlying thing of just not quite being enough. Like Mm. it's just not – it's not quite enough. Like there's a bit of a worthiness. Like it's it's just perfect the way it is. Like it's that – it is. It's having to reaffirm and reframe your mind to go – actually I'm I I am enough it is enough what I've done here is exactly how it needs to be so I guess there's there's a different level I guess of always feeling like you need to be better because I think it's incredible to improve ourselves Mm. but then this thing of like whatever we do is just quite not enough there's a bit of a difference Mm. and I think you're right with what you said because a big thing for me is has been instead of coming from a place of lack and always seeing the the lack in something or how I might have missed the mark in something it's been changing that mindset and looking from a place of appreciation of gratitude of Mm. abundance um and just appreciating what's here right now it's not to say that improvements can't be made in the future or there's not lessons to be learned and built upon because I do believe that 
Like I'm a lifelong learner. That's what mm. teaching is all about. Um, that you, there's never a time where you stop learning, mm-hmm. but it has to be from a, you know, positive outlook from an abundant outlook. Um, it can't always be from a place of lack because then you don't see the journey that you've come from. Absolutely. So that has probably been the biggest change and that self-compassion in that self-acceptance, um, to just see where you are without seeing the lack that's there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fully hear that. Mm. Um, so did you ever compare yourself to others when you were growing up? Um, yes, I did. But that once again, that was more in academics, in grades, um, things in like intellect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it came to intellect, was, yeah. Was not worried about looking like a weirdo or anything <laughs> like that. Was not, was not too, I was actually really oblivious about all the like self-image stuff, um, which was a good thing for most part. I remember in year 10, um, there was a girl at school and she did a survey for one of the subjects at school and it was about self-image and that was um, quite a realisation because it was then that I started to really notice other people's perceptions mm. and I would like did that survey and then I looked at the results and I saw that mine was very, very different to lots of other people's and that other people's notion of what fat was was completely different to mine. Other mm. people's notice um, or notion of what um, beauty was was completely different to mine. And somehow a lot of people thought that they were linked and I thought mm. that was ridiculous. And so there were times where, like, the worldview did make me stop and ponder and think, am I right? Am I the weirdo? Like, mm. um is, is my way of thinking skewed and this is what society thinks, which I think is very unhelpful for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I guess I was lucky that I was so oblivious, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I also remember one of my friends, my, my friend, she's still my best friend today, um, her mum, I remember her mum saying, gee, Rihanna is so confident for a fat chick. And I just remember as a teenager, like being blown away, thinking, why can't they both coexist? Why do you have to be skinny to be confident? Or why can't you not be confident if you're fat? Like it was, it was just something that was astounded me, like a, a big thing about body image, even though it didn't affect me as much as I know other teenagers and other people Mm. struggle with it it was still did impact me in the way that I was just like I can't believe other people think like this Mm. but then I'm sure other people would look at me and go I can't believe this chick thinks the way that she does um so that was that was really interesting and it was moments like that that really made me stop and think about other people's perceptions of the world Mm. yeah yeah definitely definitely and and how did how did it really make you feel when you heard those words though um well I was first of all I was shocked um but then I have that independent defiant streak um which probably comes back to that acceptance piece anyway that 
is like, I'll prove to you <laughs> how amazing I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so then it is that, um, you know, perfectionist mentality as well and showing you how good I am and all the things that I can do. Yeah. Um, sort of not letting anything hold me back, which is good. But then also realizing now is that you don't need other people's approval. You don't need other people. Like at the end of the day, people are going to think what they're going to think. Absolutely. And you have to have your own self-acceptance and your own self-compassion because you can't control what other people people think or how they view you. Mm -hmm. Um, You've just got to be happy within your own skin and that's the biggest thing. So that's one of the other biggest lessons is that instead of proving my worth um, and fighting all the time, I've just sort of softened and just being happy in my own skin and people can take what they want, that's fine, and Mm. think what they want. But at the end of the day, I'm just happy with what I'm doing and how I'm doing life instead of trying to prove to to everybody how I'm doing life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And that's really what life is about at the end of the day. It is. It is really about if we don't hold that self-acceptance within ourself, there is no way that we're going to accept a lot of external things because mm. everyone is our reflection. That's right. Coming back to us. So so I guess um, you, you did talk a little bit already into your self-talk. You, you had, it sounds like your self-talk was quite, um, you, had a, you were very strong and very, you, you were someone that really took your, and still are, yeah. someone that really took, you know, owned yourself. Yeah, so my self-talk looking back it was quite interesting it was very compartmentalized so that was um something that helped me back then Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to let that go now because i was so strong and it was compartmentalized in some way so i was like believed i could do anything i wouldn't let anybody stop me um i had so many goals and ambitions and things like that so I was, a, I was a real go-getter that nobody could stop. But then at the other end of it, I did have negative self-talk and um, I did have anxiety and shame and guilt as well. Um, but it was in pockets. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't all, it wasn't spread all through my life. It was just in certain areas. Um, mm-hmm. So it did allow me to achieve um, really great success in some areas because I mm-hmm. compartmentalized my thinking. Um, but I still had negative self-talk in others. So as an adult now, I'm trying to get rid of that compartmentalization yep. and just be authentic. Integrating it. Yeah, just yep. integrating it all and being authentic and embracing my imperfections um and yeah just just trying to be in my essence rather than trying to hide away what I didn't want other people to see what I thought they might judge Mm -hmm. um and what I too didn't really like about myself as not being enough as a Mm. as an adolescent um and wanted to just show everybody and prove to everybody how good I was but not not letting yes, people see, see how I could be vulnerable. So Absolutely. And that's being vulnerable isn't an easy thing, but when we are, we give each other permission. There's, you know? there's so much strength in vulnerability so and it took me much. a long time to learn that. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm with you on that. Uh, there's this other thing just when you said about the separating the two. 
one one of the biggest things that I've someone told me once was that in life if you've got one side of something so if you are really confident you have to have the opposite on the other end yeah that's what balances us, us out so you can't have one without the other mm. so while she was so confident there was a part of you that actually really wasn't confident and when there's a part of us that is really sad, there's a part of us that's really happy. We actually have to have like both. Um, yeah. Otherwise, there's no balance in our perception. And that's the whole pedestal thing too. When we put people up on pedestals, we're only seeing one thing about them. One, mm-hmm. It's all the good stuff. And as soon as they do something that we don't like, it drops right back down again. And that's because we're not seeing it in balance. So true. And there's light and dark and there's shadows to everything. Mm. And it's about not only being aware of those, but having compassion for those as well. Because like you said, pedestals serve nobody. Like Mm. everybody's human and you have to embrace that about yourself as well as the people that you come into contact with in this lifetime because... You know, you can't have those high expectations for other people. Mm. I've, well, I've learned that you can't even have those high expectations for yourself. So putting yeah. it on other people is very, very unfair and unrealistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But these are the things that we learn as we go along, hey? Yes. Well, life <laughs> is all about learning. <laughs> it is. It never, ever ends. Um, so, yeah, what did your romantic relationships look, romantic relationships look like during this time? Like... What did they reflect back to you about yourself? Well, (laughs) (laughs) Um, as a um, person in my early 20s, um, I was very career focused because I was all about ambitions and career and success and, you know, um, proving my worth that way. So I hadn't come to the realisation that you know, I was enough just as I am. Mm-hmm. So I was all about achievement. So mm-hmm. I was very disconnected from myself and my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really into romantic relationships at that stage. Um, and when I did seek romantic relationships, they weren't great mm-hmm. because they were a mirror for how I was treating myself. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of learning. Um, I appreciate the men that tried. Thank you if you're listening. (laughs) Very brave of you. Um, And thank you for being the mirrors that I needed to see. Um, Yes, but they were were very short. They, um, yeah, they they weren't coming from a place of love at all. Mm. Yeah. 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 And when when was the pivotal moment that you started to actually become more compassionate and accepting of yourself? Like, how did how did you actually start to become self compassionate? It was probably in my thirties, and um, lots of things were happening in my world, and it was after a breakup. Mm-hmm. Lots of self reflection, and I also remembered that I went to see a psychic years ago. And she said to me, no one will ever be good enough until you're good enough for yourself. Whoa. And it didn't make sense at the time because it never does. And then it was in that moment that I was just like, yep, Mm. I I need to think about this. I need to think about how I'm acting. Um, Because, yeah, I had 
such high expectations of myself that I was putting huge amounts of pressure on myself, mm-hmm. which meant then I had unrealistic expectations of my partner and yeah. I was putting huge pressure on them. Yeah. And that's not healthy. Um, yeah. When your love is conditional, yeah, it doesn't work. So that was, that was big for me. Um, so since my 30s, I've started a lot of... Um, self-development and healing and looking into things um i did research on attachment theory as well that's interesting it is very interesting looking into your conditioning and found out that i had a dismissive avoidant attachment Mm -hmm. so that explains a lot (laughs) um but yeah so and i also started to see a psychologist as well to start to unpack all of these things and um, my patterns in relationship because there was definitely patterns there that I could see. Um, And I think it's really important to talk about these things because I know that some people have stigma around, you know, um, self-development or getting help or mental health and things like that. But I think there's only stigma there if you feel it. Mm Mm-hmm. I have self-acceptance now, so I don't feel that guilt or shame or stigma. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to accept my journey and, you know, let go of those things and talk about it. And I I do promote that mental health is so important and I think that everyone should make it a priority. And there is no shame in asking for help. Mm -hmm. And I was a person that would be like carrying 10 boxes and people would ask if, you know, I needed help to open a door and I'd be like, no, I've got it, I'm right, Mm -hmm. I don't need help. But everybody needs help. Everyone on this earth needs it. And there is always someone out there that's willing to support and help. Yeah. And I I get it. People, if if we're not open to sharing, it is because we're still holding on to that guilt and that shame. And we haven't come to an acceptance within ourselves because I remember when I admitted that I had an eating disorder um that was so hard for me and I picked up the phone to some random person on a hotline mm. never done that before in my life and I just remember her hearing her voice and her being so lovely and what what are you calling about today what's wrong and I just let it all out mm. and I realized that it was the shame I was holding on to mm. you know and to have someone to talk to yeah was life-changing it really, it really is like the power of story is so amazing. And like, cause I used to feel so much shame as well, not mm. only in my story of, you know, self acceptance and being a perfectionist, but also, you know, like I, I'm a binge eater too. Mm. Like I've been through that as well. And I know what you're feeling. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I've come to realise that shame is only as powerful as the power we give it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think story takes away so much of that power and normalises it. And there's so many things that are taboo in today's society because we allow them to be. Absolutely. Because we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big thing for me coming from a family of people <laughs> that don't communicate. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's really powerful to start those conversations yeah. and and whether or not they feel awkward to start with, that's normal. But the more you talk about it, the more you normalise yeah. it, 
And I think it has amazing power for society moving forward. I 100% agree with you. And that that is actually the one reason why I created this podcast. And I ask such deep questions um, because I want to get to the core. You know, a lot of people just by listening to you today, I know there would have been just things that have just clicked because it's through story that we're sharing, right? Mm. Um, So, yes, so much power in story and, and sharing. There is so much healing to be done in it as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So what would you say to your, your younger self now if you could go back in time? Oh, darling, take a chill pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I'd say. It's like take the pressure off. The world is not on your shoulders. I think as a child I took on so much responsibility And I don't think it was put on me. I think I just took it on. I think I was the worrier for everybody. And even it was funny because I'm packing ready to move house at the moment. And I was going through and I found um, an old year seven book. And in there, no joke, was a work sample. And I I think it might have been procedure writing. It was about expectations. Like, are you kidding me? Whoa. It was like, in year seven, I did a procedure writing of expectations. You should have this. You should do this. And I'm just like, <laughs> chill out. Like, and I also read an old report card, and it was my beautiful art teacher saying that I have skill, but I'm too hard on myself. Aww. And then there's a student comment down the bottom, and it's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm honest. <laughs> I'm like, my art sucks. I'm glad I got into computer club because I'm no good unless I trace. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think we just have to be kind to ourselves and not have such harsh expectations. And like, yeah, looking back, if I could talk to myself now, I'd be like, you got this. I love you, boo. It's so good. Yeah. Just relax and enjoy your childhood. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy it. And the the word should, like... It's a horrible is, word. It's, it's basically that is just creating room for, for failure, really, if there's even a thing. But should is just us telling ourselves that we're doing something that someone has told us that we actually should do. So changing the word to could yeah. is a really good way. Might. Yeah, might, maybe yeah. is a really powerful one. So, And it's funny, like, because of my self-reflection, the amount of times I use that word is astounding. Mm. And just being aware of that now, and it's it's still a work in progress. I, I should. <laughs> See, yeah. even now, it comes naturally. <laughs> um, I could change it more yeah. often. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just one of those things. But it's about being aware of yourself. Um, and accepting your imperfections like I'm not hating on myself because like oh I just said should again yeah but it's about being aware of yourself and then knowing where you can grow next but still loving yourself where you're at through it yeah loving yourself through it yeah so so what advice would you give to people listening just really get in touch with yourself and tune into yourself because this is my story This may not be your story. Like we said, everybody's got their own story and their own truth. Um, But don't be afraid to live your truth. This is Mm. mine. So so find what your story is and be bold, be brave and live it. Be proud. Mm. I like that. Yeah. that's, That's a beautiful way to end. 
Thank you. Today's beautiful discussion. So I really enjoyed it, Rachel. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks.